Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and the lesser spotted Nick Villaney. Guys, boys, how's it going? All good. All good. It's been, here. Uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, he's Woo. here. I'm back. Things we love to see. I'm back, baby. We're, we're ready to go. It's been a minute. I needed something positive to talk about, so when I got the bat signal up in the air, Abdullah's <laughs> wearing like, the, the Batman please. shirt, but <laughs> I, I was like, any sort of positive news? Yes. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, we are on the seven-day countdown until we maybe get to watch some good football at Stamford Bridge. I don't want to jinx anything because it is our first game of the season, which historically is not the best football, but honestly, at this point... The girls, I think, could just turn up and stand around and it'd still look better than most of what we're watching at the moment. So Nick, Abdullah and I are going to use this episode um, and another one. We're sort of going to split this into two parts to do our big 23-24 season preview uh, because we're finally getting around to actually watching some women's football, which would be nice to see. Saw Erin uh, Cuthbert and Kat Macario were paraded around the pitch just to show everyone what they're missing. Uh, at halftime today, so that was nice too. Um, we've already done a predictions episode, uh, and as part of that, we put a little form out so you could get some of your predictions in. And I just thought we'd kick off today by by flagging some of the things we've discovered about what the Chelsea women's fan base uh, are looking forward to Bring this it season. Um, it's it's a landslide for Shukanuskan in terms of being the player everyone is most excited about. I think that Roma performance has done her a lot of favours. Uh, a two-way battle going on for who will play the most minutes this season between Millie and Millie Bright. So <laughs> that's going to be a tough one for <laughs> for Millie to to win out. Uh, Nick, I think you, you've gone you've gone big with with your shirt choice this season, haven't you? I did. Yeah, I I went out on a limb with this pick as well, and also picked Millie Bright. But I also got her on my shirt, um, and so I feel like it's only right that I I bestow the most minutes uh, throughout the season on on her uh, very capable shoulders. Yeah, I didn't actually get a, a name on my home shirt, but I'm I can hear the third the third the minty third kit and Guru Wrighton's name calling me at the moment. Ooh. So. We're gonna we're gonna wait and see yet. until some of my invoices get paid, and then that might that might right. be coming. Everybody, Abdullah doesn't have a shirt yet. Tell him what player he should get on the back <laughs> of which yeah. shirt. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's get I'm some democracy going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alsu Abdelina, who says no? Yeah, <laughs> Paris FC. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, we've also had some good hot takes coming in, so I'm going to go through a couple of these and then we'll see what Nick said because, oh my God, mine aged real bad, real, real quick. Um, but some of the ones uh, we got on our form, uh, someone saying we're going to beat Real Madrid in the Champions League final. That take is is hot. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Really, really hot. Okay. Um, be, that would be something to behold, I will say. Um, Melly Loipot's going to have a best season as a Chelsea player. I definitely am starting to feel that one. Yeah, I can mm. I can see that coming down the line. I think we, we'll have some stuff to talk around uh, Melly in the midfield in this episode too. And this one I really like. We will have the highest number of goal scorers in the WSL. That's a good one. I like it. Because it's a nice one. It, it signals that there's going to be a spreading of the wealth around the team, which is... You know, that does happen at Chelsea. I mean, there are tons of goal scorers in this team, unlike the other side of the uh, the house that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if you haven't already, you can listen to Mine and Abdullah run through our predictions, the forms in the show notes. 
Uh, you can submit yours. Do you just want to repeat your your take for everyone's edification? <laughs> Anyone? So, so my hot take was, and to be fair, this I said when I said it, this wasn't a quality <laughs> caveat. Thing. Caveat. Caveat. <laughs> caveat to fuck needed. Um, but that was the, I thought Zatira Musevich might end up as our number one by the end of the season, and she promptly. Shows up playing Spain in the UEFA Women's Nations League. What a tournament, by the way. Really enjoying it. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't, honestly don't know what she does. Athena Del Castillo takes the shot. I think she thinks it's going one way. It takes his bounce right in front of her. And just she sort of loops it over her head. It was a and tough one. I thought, I thought that's, that's the person I just said might be Chelsea's number one by the end of the season. But at least, at least... Manuela Zinsberger did something even crazier <laughs> in the game against Austria. So at least we've got m- more than one goalkeeper who's good. So it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, Nick, I've embarrassed myself uh, doing this game. So it's only right that you give us a hot take so you can potentially embarrass yourself. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, counter to what I said at the end of last season. Uh, and I think that the hottest take that I could possibly have is that Chelsea will beat Barcelona over two legs in the semifinal this season to cement our status as Europe's elite. I think it will take something miraculous probably to get that done. The new camp is, is a difficult place to play. They but, won't be playing there. They won't be oh, playing that's there. That's right. Because they ripped it down. Shame. Uh, so perhaps this is the year actually, perhaps this is the year that we get a chance to, to do this. But uh, I mean, I think there were steps that we took last season in regards to how we played Barcelona and, and I think the way that we aim to kind of muddy that game up a little bit. And, you know, I think until we get this team kind of humming and we, we get to properly assess them after a period of time, this will be among the hottest takes that I have because Barcelona are very, very good. Uh, but I do think this could be, this could be the year where it's not it's not just a one-off where you're not just beating them in a final, you're beating them over two legs, which is I think much, much harder. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to you having a fight with Abdullah, who I actually think the hottest take he dropped on that episode was that he thought Chelsea would go out in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So you guys can take Ooh. that up uh, <laughs> off air, I think, because wow. I, I thought that was wild. Um I, but- I did say we'd win everything else. And we've had the highest wow. record goal. Uh, I know, you know, but the quarterfinals, man. The quarterfinals. Have some faith. Barcelona might show up. Barcelona might show up again. I mean, I can't go and change it now. I mean, even if I go and say, yeah, oh, okay, fine. Like, you know what? If we can go, we go through the semifinals. I, I can't I, I change say, what I said about Zatira Musevich. <laughs> to be fair, I did say that if we get through the semifinals, I wouldn't be surprised. But that was, you know, that's the caveat. That wow, I threw dude, it. that's not a hot take then. It's, you're just. Oh, no. My hot that's take. That's no, no, a fence no, 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 take. No, 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 no. No, no, no. My my hot take was both our pivots get double digit assists this season. We can go back to the scripts and read it. I was, that was my no, I know. Take. I was just saying the quarterfinal thing was like a yeah, hot take. Yeah, that was separate than yeah, what yeah. you then put probably, as your hot yeah. take. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was probably that's a hot take, but still, I, that's what I'm just raising. But look, this episode is an opportunity for us to all dig a little bit deeper into these silly things that we've all already said, and to <laughs> some of the key questions that we think are going to be really crucial for the season ahead. So let's take a quick ad break here and then we will dive in to what Chelsea's 23-24 season is going to look like. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of US streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the UK? 
using NordVPN, and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You know, like the name of the podcast to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan plus one additional months for free. It's completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection, they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll send you a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. Nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. So I was thinking about how we wanted to go through the episode. And I think for me, the a nice way to think about the season ahead is like asking some questions. And the biggest question, Nick, that jumped out to me straight away, I think the the question that sort of like looms over this season in a way that's really weird because it's just a number, but is can Chelsea win a fifth consecutive WSL title? And I don't know why, but someone said to me and it's really resonated with me. What's the point in winning four if you don't go on and win five? I know it's just a number, but it's so satisfying. I mean, if you do it four times in a row, Right, which is absolutely insane, uh, and I think still doesn't get enough credit because we're Chelsea or whatever, you know, whatever the the media narrative is out there. Then the standard is that you win the league. I like it's that is what it is, right? I mean, if you do that four times in a row, sure, one was the COVID shortened, you know, season, and we won it on points per game, and that's a whole different deal. If you want to. Rem- rewind your brain back to three and a half years ago, which I prefer not to. Um, But I mean, in every season since Chelsea have been the class of the WSL, right? Sometimes we left it late. Sometimes we made it more difficult than we had to. But the end of the year, when you looked up at who was hosting, hoisting the trophy, I should say it was us. And it, it felt right. I think that's the, the bare minimum expectation for this club, which is a, really scary thing to say if you're the rest of the league. Emma Hayes does not do second place well. You know, she might not care about the Conti Cup as much as we'd hope at times, but like for the rest of it, it's it's winner winner die, right? And that is a massive mentality shift that no other team's been able to overcome in the league since 2019. So do I think we can do it? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, again, I, I look at this as probably the number two objective for the team this year is to go out and win the league because I think this is the thing that shows how great of a team you are. Can you win the league over 
a, a longer period of games than uh, a knockout tournament provides. And that shows the class of the team. And that's what they've done the last four years. So 100%. Yeah, it's weird though, Abdullah, isn't it? Because in some ways it feels like, and then I think Nick summed it up quite nicely there by saying like, that's the expectation. But by being so successful, you almost create this additional pressure because I'm sure Arsenal and City, I think in particular, will sit around and say, well, they should be saying, look, it's embarrassing that we haven't been able to win a league in this time. But at the same time, they can almost create this like underdog narrative for themselves where they're like, yeah, we're going to give it a real good go. Where it feels like the pressure's on us to like keep it going. And that seems so strange when you're like, but also we've been the dominant team in the era. We're the team who's leading everyone else out every single season. Yeah, I agree. And I think, but I think that comes with the fact that you are so dominant means that you have to keep the standard up. Like it's, it's, it's harder to keep a higher standard up than it is for a team to have to keep chasing, right? For the cities and the Arsenal's and the United's in the last season, to chase Chelsea has been a lot harder of a task and they may have had to work harder to get to that point they haven't reached there but for Chelsea to keep maintaining against three different clubs is 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 becoming a tougher and tougher task and they've been doing it successfully but I I feel like that's harder and I think that probably isn't going to be looked as much as as saying well you guys have been winning every season so there should there's an expectation and and, and it almost becomes at a point where City and Arsenal can just sit back and go we don't have to do anything Everybody else will create the pressure on Chelsea for us. We can just kind of do our thing, win our games. Okay, if we lose, it's almost in a weird way. I'm not saying it's an expectations, but in the grand scheme of things, if, if a City loses a game or an Arsenal loses a game, they're like, okay, they lost big thing, but like, okay, they move. They, they've lost games before and, they, you know, they didn't keep pace. But if Chelsea start losing a game or drawing a couple of games, then the, then the question comes up like, is pressure getting to them? Can they go? Can they go to the fifth title? Do they have the squad for it? Blah 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 blah. And and I think that pressure from 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 the outside influences that's much more easy to come by for a team like Chelsea just because they've won four and been so dominant that the margin for error is so small. Whereas for the other teams, they have a they have a, an imaginative larger margin for error, and all they have to do is just pounce on any mistakes that Chelsea make otherwise the onus is on Chelsea to kind of do everything and everybody else to be reactive towards that that's what I that's what I think don't you think though man like if I were Arsenal or United which I I think are the two primary title challengers I mean lump city in there if you want but don't you think that you start off three mental points down at the start of the season like when you when you look at where Chelsea is, you look at what they've done in the market, you look at what they've won and achieved. I think it's I would typically agree with you. It's harder to maintain excellence than it is to occasionally challenge for excellence. There's no doubt about that. I think it's been proven in studies and results uh, throughout the years. I in this league with our manager and this team, I think you start off mentally down at having to claw it back. I definitely think yeah. there's. I definitely think there's an extent of that teams feel like Chelsea can slip up and they will find their way back. But if you slip up, it's done. And that's what's been funny. And, and obviously we'll talk a bit about the fir- the opening day curse, but that's what's been so funny about losing our first two matches of the past two seasons because we've given everyone a three-point head start. And in, in both of those years, we've we've clawed it back. Um, and it's been fine margins, as you mentioned at the, the top, Nick, at points. But 
you know, that that's the difference, right? And I think what will be really interesting and I think what really shows how much that affects those teams is that Chelsea normally drop points more to random teams. You know, you're looking at the Liverpool loss, obviously, at the start of last season. Chelsea lose to Reading at Christmas the season before. You know, they're, they're games which you would normally, with another team, be like, wow, they're really sloppy points to drop. But because Chelsea often seems so ready to steam through the other sides, that's that's why it doesn't affect them. And I think that's what's so psychologically scary. I think if I was one of those other teams, Abdullah, as well, what would freak me out is I kind of feel like this is the strongest Chelsea team we've looked at in a very long time in terms of going into a season whereby I think we got all of our targets. We have needed fullback for a while. We got an elite fullback. We've needed a defensive midfielder for a while. We've got an elite defensive midfielder. We needed another second striker. We needed to replace Beth England. We've done that. Um, and I think that's a position where I, I look at this squad of players that we've got, and I know there's been a lot of discussion about how everyone sort of fits in, but the fact is, is that's a hard conversation to have because it feels like the the talent level has taken a significant step forward this season. Yeah, and and I agree, and I think I think we talked about it in the last episode as well, saying that the squad depth now is there to, to challenge on all fronts, including the Champions League as well. Like there is there is two starting 11s here that could easily compete in either competition. Like, okay, Samka's not playing, you got me official. If, uh, you know, Sushkin is not playing, you got Melanie Leupold, right? You've got these these like-for-like replacements that are as good as each other and pushing each other to go forward, right? Like, and I think that, and then with Frank Kirby coming back as practically like a new signing is is another one. Like, okay, we, we you know, there's no Pernilla Hardik, Makari's out for a bit. Frank Kirby come, comes back into it. I mean, can you imagine losing Pernilla Harder an injured Cat Macario, and then you still have Frank Kirby to come back and play for you in that same position. I mean, nobody has this sort of depth, so I agree. I think in that sense, we've really pushed it to the next level, and I really do feel like... I mean, even we've got even three starting goalkeepers. I mean, who has three starting goalkeepers? The fourth one was there, gone on loan. Who? <laughs> this level of squad depth is insane. I mean... The season preview where you guys talked about these goalkeepers had me in stitches, man. It was <laughs> honestly... I love the Hannah Hampton chat as much as anything, though, just because of, like, the sheer, like, I think audacity of confidence that that woman has on everything is it's what you want in a goalkeeper. You want someone to go, I am fucking better than you, and I'm going to go out there and prove it every single day of every week. Does that make a great teammate? Perhaps not. But does it make a great goalkeeper? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, that is... Those are the sorts of things that can help this team kind of get over, you know, maybe some of the humps that they've had in in the Women's Champions League, right? But this team, the biggest battle we have is making sure everyone feels involved. That is, I think, by far and away, this is going to be Emma Hayes' toughest job that she's had to do. Because if you, I was just looking at the roster again, if you're me official... If you're Shankovic, if you're, you know, obviously the injured players like Macario, you know, kind of set them aside. Uh, JRK, if you're, you know, looking in the midfield, obviously Svitkova is, is maybe not not going to feature as much this year. Sophie Engel, 
If you're Neve Charles, who had a good year last year, if you're Buchanan, who had a pretty average year last year, you may not see a whole lot of time in the start of the season. So how do you keep these guys involved in in a year that you're going to definitely need everybody, right? There's too many matches, and they get too congested because fixture schedules do my head in, honestly. Um, hey, let's just jam everything together over Christmas and see the performances go up. Like, this doesn't make any sense, but that's it's going to be her her hardest job, Emma Hayes' hardest job, is to make sure that everyone feels involved. Jesse Fleming, who wasn't as involved last year, how do you keep her involved? Jess Carter, who had an amazing World Cup, maybe doesn't start. I don't know. Maybe does. She's not the only right back. There are three others now. Like, it's... It's a it's a interesting dynamic to to go off of, and I'm very interested to see how this works because our biggest challenge is ourselves. I think. Yeah, I I would I would agree, and I think it will be really interesting. I do think naturally, like as the season goes on, players will come in and out, both in terms of form and in terms of injury. And I think you know when we think back to that like crazy. Was it March where we had like the two Leon games and the City game and it was just like bonkers and that was when everyone like started dropping like flies and you realized actually how how quickly a sack squad can can get very thin. I think, you know, the squad now is is a response to that. Um but I think something I just wanna talk about as well, like looking away from Chelsea, looking at other teams. Um I just want to talk, Abdullah, about the impact of teams not having Champions League and not having that fixture congestion, how we think that might affect the team as the year goes on. Obviously, United might also be in that position, depending on their doubleheader with PSG. Part of me thinks this isn't necessarily a bad thing for Chelsea, that everyone is going to be putting all of their eggs in the WSL basket because I think that's going to make lots more games like extremely competitive I'm not just talking now about City and Arsenal but looking at the likes of Villa who want to push on Brighton who've had like a really impressive summer of recruitment is it like overly confident of me to look at the rest of the WSL and feel like there might be a bit of a Hunger Games-esque scrap that Chelsea can sort of just like sail over the top of yeah I, th- I think it'll be interesting i think obviously not having that fixture congestion and having like you know six seven less games to play in a, for example a Champions League group stage for a team like for example the arsenal i think helps because then they get a full weeks of of recovery and rest whereas chelsea will have to keep rotating and keep playing every three you know every three days in, in that sense but i think the counter argument and balance goes back to the squad depth that we have, right? You can practically play two 11s in the Champions League group stages, depending on the game and the, the WSL. So if there is a game where there's a group stage against a team that would usually typically come third or fourth, you can practically practically play a rotated 11, bring the first team back in for a game against a, a top side like a Villa, Arsenal, Brighton, you know, if that is to be the game after. And I think... Being able to balance that um, will be um, will be important, but I, th- I think I think for teams, 
you know, without it, I think I think for them it, it really just comes. And then, you know, I think it goes back to pressure, right? If a team that's been playing two games a week and then the one with the full rest, that team with the full rest has more pressure to win the game because they're expected to win the game. So if it's like City versus Chelsea, City would be expected to win that game just because they would they would have played that one game less in the week, and if they end up losing. You know, it, it kind of steamroll and go. Then I think Chelsea have proven in the last couple of years more than any of the other clubs that because they've gotten so far in all these competitions that they're used to playing multiple games a week for, for months and months and months and on season and with even smaller squads. I mean, if this Chelsea team now with a bigger squad is going to be able to navigate it, you know, then 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 that'll probably be a good, that, you know, more likely because last season, the season before, when we had key injuries to Hard, as Sam Kerr, Millie Bright towards the end, and we still navigated and got to a Champions League semi-final, won the WSL, you know, FA Cup, you know, Conti Cup finals. I mean, imagine all of those finals and semi-finals with a smaller squad with more key injuries to key players. Whereas this season, we've actually got the backup for all of these key positions and and to be able to go and manage all of it. So. I think it will play a psychological factor for the teens, but I think Chelsea are in a much, much better position to be able to handle the multiple games a week schedule to the point where I think it becomes, you know, slightly less relevant in the overall discussion at times than it would have been, you know, a couple of years ago. Nick, do you want to jump in on that at all? Otherwise I might move on to Champions League. Yeah, I mean, just just a, a last note, like... It really depends on how we manage the squad, right? So if if there is, in, in a particularly tight period of fixture congestion, two 11s, right, where you're getting, you know, I, I know this is not going to be two 11s perfectly and, and there aren't going to be two. I, I get that, right? I'm just saying this kind of hypothetically. But if you know there's going to be a team that primarily focuses on the league and there's going to be a team that primarily focuses on, focuses on whatever cup is coming up, right, and that those players can mentally prepare for that, right? Instead of, oh, players down, now I have to go in, which is a really hard thing to do um, in any facet, especially if it's Sam Kerr <laughs> that goes down or Frank Kirby that goes down or any one of our center backs that goes down like that. That's a big mental job. Like if the, if the team is able to plot out this season a way to mentally stay engaged, especially the players who are not necessarily like the first choice 11, which is a harsh thing to say at this club because there are so many talented players, then we're going to be fine because the talent's there, the goal scoring's there, the defense was relatively good the last couple of seasons, maybe dodgier a couple of seasons before that. Uh, but like you have all the tools. It's just whether or not I think the mental side is there rather than the physical side. Um, also, if you have players swapping in and out, probably less chance of injury from, you know, kind of extended periods of like games. The fact that Sam Kerr has been healthy most of her time at Chelsea is a miracle. Like you, you can't run her into the ground this year. You have to give her a breather. She can't be the only goal scorer in a team that has so many great goal scorers. Right. So these are the sorts of things that I would worry about, but if they are to balance it properly and if Emma Hayes is able to get the mental preparation of the kind of second choice, 11 out there in a way that they're they feel like they are actively contributing to us winning the league or winning a cup and they're up for it all systems go yeah and i think you know the reason obviously all of that matters so much is because no one's under any illusions that the focus will be and probably should be champions league performances and, and that's why the squad matters that's why the rotation matters and being able to have players as fresh as possible 
to to play wherever they're needed, whether that is in Champions League games, whether that is in WSL games. So let's take another ad break here. And then when we come back, we'll get onto some Champions League chat. So obviously, as much as winning the league would be amazing, everyone wants to do a fifth one. I personally believe we can do a fifth one. I think everyone would take the Champions League over another WSL title in a heartbeat. And that's that's totally understandable. I guess, Abdullah, before we start looking at where Chelsea maybe fit into the Champions League this year, what do you think, where do you think Chelsea have struggled in the past if you can sort of pinpoint it to one thing? We've got a bit of a rep of having this very up and down relationship with the Champions League. You know, we reached final one year, we're out in the group stages the next, then we reached semifinals. Is this like... Is it a mental thing? Do you think it's a tactical thing? Do you think it's that sort of physical or squad building thing? What's the what's the key area that you think Chelsea really need to improve on this year if they are going to take that final step? I think what stopped us in the I think it's a mixture of all the things you just mentioned. Like if we can break it down for a second, I think one it was a mental thing because they were almost like rookies in the Champions League. You get you know they finally get to that final and then you know they they weren't able to navigate the group stages a year after. That was probably more of a mental thing than, than anything else. You know then then the next year they get to you know quarter semifinal and then you know it keeps kind of going up and down. And I think so that's one. I think mentally just being able to cope with the pressure of okay we reached the final and I think that was probably too much to the expectation of okay needing to get to uh, further down the line in the Champions League uh, in the following season. I think the squad was built to have a an amazing starting eleven before, but not a good enough second eleven backup rotations. I think weren't good, you know good enough. You you look at Jess Carter and Nee Charles as two prime examples. You would rather take them now as players to come in or starting than you would a couple of years ago where they were good. You I mean we just go back to that Champions League final against Barcelona in twenty twenty one. You know. Jess Carter and Neve Charles were absolutely demolished by Leakey Martins and Caroline Graham Hansen, whereas I would fancy them to do a much better job now than I was obviously two years ago. So that's, for example, the the experience and the development of players and the squad has gotten up. And we've now, you know, refreshed the squad and gotten players in to deal with uh, to deal with Ashley Lawrence is a Champions League experienced player, played multiple, multiple games and you know, with PSG in there. You know, okay, Mia Fischl hasn't, but she's she's still a top international. Shukan Nuskin's played for Germany you know in, in a World Cup, right? And and you know, big games for uh Andre Frankfurt before. So you know I think the the players that have come in now have got a little bit of good experience, whether it's in the Champions League or in general. Um and I feel like every, you know the players have developed and I think the reasons that we were stopped before. I think last season against Barcelona, tactically, I think that was a turning point in terms of the Champions League itself because teams in the Champions League play very, very different to the teams in the WSL. And if one, you know, in that, that season where we got to the final, we could have gotten knocked out three times. Atletico Madrid ideally should have knocked us out much, much, much earlier in the competition. They just missed penalties, right? Um, and Chelsea managed to get through with kind of one style, one tactic without changing too much and obviously they lost. And I think now Emma Hayes, especially the way she played against Barcelona and almost beat them and took them, you know, took the game down to the wire against Barcelona. I think that would have given them so much confidence that they can now navigate against some of the top sides in the Champions League and in Europe to be able to say, okay, we now have tactically, you know, disciplined and tactically smart players to be able to maneuver across different types of teams. So if they come up against a Wolfsburg, a Wolfsburg, Lyon, Barcelona, Roma, 
I feel like now Chelsea are well equipped to be able to deal with them differently in each situation, whereas before it was just one way, and if it didn't work, you know, it was where do you go from there? So yeah, I I would just tack on to that because I I agree with you. I think you know the the results against Barcelona last year showed a mentality shift, and I think it showed a confidence shift, right? Instead of going in hoping to win, I think there was an expectation to compete at a, at a higher level than we had in the past. Like obviously that four nil final was going to haunt everybody for a long time. And that was difficult to take. And I think if you played that game 10 out of 10 times, Chelsea may only win it one time, right? The Barcelona team was really good. Um, but the fact that they were so competitive last year, the fact that, I think Gura Wrighton took her game to like super Saiyan level at the end of that season and kind of like led from the front um, and that you had established leaders and you strengthened in areas where you maybe weren't as strong last year. I think the expectation is and why that was my hot take um, is that if, if we are paired with them again, which is like the least favorable knockout matchup that anyone can have is, is to play Barcelona they are the champions for a reason. Uh, then I think you have the team, you have the depth, and you have the mentality to compete with them in a number of different circumstances. You, you'll remember from last season that Chelsea were not incredibly healthy uh, when we played Barcelona. You know, Mary Mielda had an absolutely phenomenal couple of games at center back, but probably isn't your ideal center back for games like that, right? Like, midfield was so gassed after chasing them around, right? You didn't really have anyone to come in and replace Aaron and the energy that she brought into the game. You know, Sam Kerr was on her last, last gasp at the end of the season uh, because she played every single fucking match last year. All of these things I think have been remedied with the squad uh, construction. And now Jesse, I think it's on Emma to figure out, tactically the right stuff to do and to to make sure that this team walks in with a just killer mentality like i don't care about your awards i don't care about the winners medals you have i don't care that you beat us in the final a couple years ago if we get paired with you in a knockout round it's you going home not us we're ready for this yeah and i think last year played a big role in that and i know there was a lot of frustration in both the leon quarterfinal and the barcelona semifinal in the perceived tactical negativity that hayes adopted but i do feel like when you look at those games that it was almost necessary to do that to give the players and this is controversial right because some people will sort of turn around and say the best way to make a team and players feel good about themselves is to like really impose your game plan upon other people like on other teams it doesn't matter like we're seeing this a lot like I think especially with Postacoglu and Spurs in the Premier League at the moment this idea that like if you sort of go in with this kind of happy-go-lucky mentality then then the team will follow. I think that changes the longer you've been at a club. And I think that's something that is is very different for, for Hayes to sort of implement when she's been at the club for so long, when she's been working with these players for so long. And I kind of feel like 
it was the right decision in terms of being able to get those close results, obviously in the Leon game winning, <laughs> even in the strangest way possible in some ways. Um, and then in the Barcelona game, pushing them really close. You know, I think we don't go to Camp Nou and get a draw if we don't sort of play in that like quite conservative way and only lose one nil at Stamford Bridge. I know it was frustrating to play a negative game at Stamford Bridge because you want to really go for it at home, but you risk losing 3-0 and you don't even get to go play for something at Camp Nou. And I think those experiences now help the team step forward and say, we were in those games. You know, we got a result at Camp Nou when no one had ever done that against the Barcelona women's team before. Now they're not even going to play at Camp Nou because they're knocking half of it down. You know, now this is the time. This is where we then take that step forward. Like, we're not naive within this competition anymore. Um, and I think that also, like, the recruitment speaks to that. Like, touch wood, you've got a player like Kat Macario who's scored in a Champions League final back by the time you're playing in the latter stages. You've got a player like Ashley Lawrence who's you know, played in those crucial knockout games. I think that really speaks to like, okay, we've got our players to the level where they're confident. You know, we've got defenders who've just played in a World Cup final, um, hilariously against some of the Barcelona players. Um, but like, so we've raised our players up and then we're also bringing in players who have that experience from elsewhere. I think that's the thing, Abdullah, that feels like that really crucial way of like, how do you, creating that setup, creating that platform that allows the team to to go out and perform how they want to perform. I'm going to jump in right in front of you, Abdullah, because I think this is, if, if I'm Emma Hayes and I'm looking at this, because I totally agree with your take, by the way, th this is not a beauty pageant. This is about winning. Like, whatever way you have to win, fine by us. I, like, I, I, it may be frustrating to watch at times, but do I care if you set up in a shell and you beat Barcelona one nil at wherever they're going to play this season. And we advanced to the champions league final because we did that and we were smart and we were savvy and we weren't tactically naive. Awesome. I I'm in, you know, would it be great if we score five nil and, and we're, and we're all over them and, and we're dominant. Sure. Is that likely to happen? No. So like, I think that's a like really savvy point, Jesse on, on just like what, what it means to win this competition. We all remember how, Chelsea's men's team, their, their least talented team of that run, did the tactically smart shit and just won the competition. It was ugly at times. It was weird at times. Didn't matter when you're lifting the trophy, right? And, and that, to me, is, is critical. I also think, Abdullah, if I'm Emma Hayes, I am looking across the football landscape. I'm bringing in consultants. I'm bringing in people who haven't been a part of this team before. I'm looking at ways to uh, work on mentality, Right. Heading into these big fixtures, because it is a whole different game. It's a completely different tactical game. And I'm looking at ways to keep this team fit as fit as humanly possible, because if we have our our number one, a choice 11, I think we're competitive against anyone in the world. Yeah, I agree. I, I think on, on your last point, I think I think Chelsea starting 11 beats most teams, if not any, any team on their day in Europe, Barcelona included, because I feel like the, you know, player for, you know, player for player, I think they're up there. I think they've got the, um, the experience, the tactical quality to be able to go and beat most teams. And I, and I agree with both of you on the point of that. 
because it's the f- it will be chasing the first title it doesn't matter how you play I- i'm okay with doing the Mourinho style 2004 1-0 wins throughout the entire competition i don't care because at least then yeah exactly it doesn't matter at least then you go and do it fine if you're chasing a real madrid type 10th 11th 12th 13th 14th champions league fine maybe style you know would be cool to have right all right they go and win three four nil in a, in a quarterfinal or a semi-final against a top side to make a statement i i at that point i can see why you would want to be chasing that because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be about just winning it anymore it would be about winning it with a style you know a style of football but when you're chasing the first one i mean let's 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 go back and see barcelona winning their first one right barcelona winning their first um their first champions league there were moments where they could have they could have lost. It looked like they could have lost. They they did it, but they just needed to win. Whereas I feel like their their second run, um, you know, while they did have a couple of issues, I felt like that stylistically was just probably a little bit better than the first time. Okay, put the final aside against Chelsea. They they won four nil, but you know, beating Wolfsburg three two and just the run to the final. I think that is just was, was just better. So you can always see that once you have the experience of winning at once. The second, third time, I'm not saying it gets easier, but you know what to expect all the way through to winning it. And for Chelsea, they don't have that yet. So it doesn't matter if you need to win 1-0, low block, counter-attack in football, do it. I don't care. Like That's that's the best way for it. These guys are are the standard to shoot for. Barcelona are the standard to shoot yeah. for, right? Like, no, like, that is us on this podcast saying we, we haven't quite done it yet. We haven't quite gotten over the hump on, on that side yet. It's going to be... I think Emma Hayes' hardest challenge in her career at Chelsea is to get over that hump. Uh, much like yeah. there have been many other Chelsea managers on the other side who have had to struggle to get over that hump to play teams like your Real Madrid's and your Barcelona's and your Bayern Munich's and all this sort of stuff. Once you do it, though, and you prove to yourself that you can do it and you prove to everyone else that you can do it, the whole narrative changes. Everything changes because they're not the invincible team anymore. You are. You can be that team. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, again, I think it'll be one of the hardest things that Chelsea has to do is, you know, potentially play Barcelona. The Champions League gods are not going to smile on us, Jesse. I'm not suggesting that we're going to see them in just the final again. I think there will be two legs at some point that we're going to have to play and beat them. That's uh, my prediction, obviously. But uh, I think if, if Chelsea can do that, it will raise alarm bells everywhere else in the world because it will signal a shift in in narrative and probably the way the football is played in Europe. Sorry to cut in one 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 quick thing before you go and just to count your point, you look at what Leon lost a couple of years ago. They lost to PSG in a quarter or semifinal. They came back the next year in 2022 and won the Champions League by beating Barcelona. And that wasn't because, and they were they were looking like they were on the way down. But that's because they've won it seven different times. They knew what it takes to come back and get over that hump to, to, to show people that they could do it. And Chelsea just don't have the experience. I mean, Lyon looked like they were down and out that season, the season before. People were starting to doubt them. They come through and beat Barcelona 3-1 in the Champions League final to kind of prove again and say, look, we're still here. We have the experience. We're the queens of the Champions League. So you can't just take that from away from us like this. So just to, to, to your point, it that experience, if you just get over it once, it, it makes a whole hell of a difference. Yeah. And I mean, it will be very interesting, I think, to to see how the Champions League shapes up this year. I do think Chelsea are in a good position. I think I've mentioned this maybe on the, the predictions pod, but I do kind of feel like the quality within the Champions League 
potentially doesn't feel as high as maybe it has in, in previous years. I also think to that extent, it would maybe be good for Chelsea if United did go through because part of, I think, what's been really hard for us in the Champions League, but in both group stages we've participated in has been the fact that we've been in group stages where there's been three good teams. Obviously, the first year that Juve and Wolfsburg, they're the ones that goes through, we go out. And then even last year, PSG and Real Madrid. I feel like potentially, you know, if, for example, United knock PSG out, Chelsea can't draw United in that group stage. The pool of teams that you're then getting in, in your in your group stage starts to look a lot better because we're in pot one. So we're not getting Barcelona, Bayern or Lyon. Um, so I think that would be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on. Maybe, maybe it doesn't go in your favour. Maybe it's better to play those some of those earlier teams harder to get yourself sort of in that zone. But then equally, again, potentially having some slightly more relaxed games in the lead up to Christmas. Um, and the Champions League group stage is going to go into January this year as well. No bad thing um, either. So I think that would be something that's, that's really interesting to keep an eye on. Obviously, I yeah, I personally think at some point we will have to beat Barcelona if we're going to win the Champions League just because they do feel so far ahead um, of other teams. But I, I agree with Nick. I think it's possible. I definitely feel like removing Camp Nou from the picture is very helpful. I think the experience of last year is very helpful. Um, and I feel like having a stronger squad uh, because we do have a stronger squad ultimately, not necessarily than Barcelona than we did last year um I think all of those things put Chelsea in a good position but also at the end of the day it's a knockout competition you can do all your theories and you can say how mm -hmm. it looks on paper um I, I just think everyone needs luck to go their way at some point in 100%. these in these yeah, it, it's a knockout. I mean, you're you're 100 right. It is a knockout competition. Anything can happen. We've seen some crazy ass shit happen over the years in a knockout competition, where the underdog seems so far down that there's no possible way that they could. Of course, they're going to win because it's a knockout competition. That's what happens, right? I would I would rather Chelsea go in with like the most momentum that they've ever had into a Champions League semifinal, be an underdog than for them to be playing the best football ever and you know just kind of continually kind of work toward that moment. If a team gets hot, they can just win a competition. Period. So you see it in sports all the time. It is whichever team has the hottest hand, that's the team that's likely to win because they have the most confidence and they have probably the best mentality at that point and feel like they can't lose. And so I'd rather Chelsea have that like hot streak when it matters and See what happens. Again, I the the majority of the players in this team are coming to the coming to or are in the prime of their careers. It, the the moment is is now. Like I would hope that this team can uh, dig deep and and do what is going to be, I think, the hardest thing that they've they've had to do. To hot takes and hot streaks. That should be the motto, I think, of, of our podcast moving forward. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that wraps us up quite neatly for our sort of WSL and, and Champions League uh, discussion. We're going to come back with you uh, a bit later in the week and dig into a bit more of the tactical stuff. So we've got a bit more preview things to get through. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Yeah.